I'm Kane Winston. Hello, Internet. This is Matthew Derrickish. And you're listening to the Untold Talks of Spider-Man, a podcast about deep cuts, forgotten classics. Deep, deep cuts. Forgotten classics. And what it truly means to be a Spider-Man story. For our final episode in our Winter Wonderland block, we bring you Twas the Fight Before Christmas. Um, this one is Spider-Man's Tangled Web number 21, which the interior credits are A Holiday Hoot by Darwin Cook and Jay Bone with color styling by Matt Hollingsworth. Matt, why don't you tell us where we can find this comic? Well, can you find this on Comixology? Yes, yes you, you can. can. Can you find this on Unlimited? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Can you find this issue for about 99 cents in a bin? Online. Yeah, in a bin or online. It's a cheap <laughs> issue. In an online bin? <laughs> an interbin, if you will? And then, if you're looking for Spider-Man's Tangled Web Volume 4, and wherever you find your trade trades, if it's available, it'll be cheap. Otherwise, they're not going to bother carrying this thing, because it's probably just taking up space. Because you can buy the trade for a little more than 99 cents. <laughs> uh, which, is, which is a shame, because I like a lot of these Tangled Web stories. Um, but yeah, it's just one of those things where it's hard to find because of obscurity, not necessarily because everyone's just buying up every issue they can find. Uh, it's the whole series, I would say, is pretty, pretty um, glanced over, glazed over. I, I'm not sure what exactly the turn of phrase I'm, I'm going for here, but uh, untold, untold. Yes. I mean, and, and it's like that for most of the anthology series, uh, like, you know, Web Spinners and the other one. Um, but yeah, yeah. So, I mean, honestly, that's that's the context you need to know going into the story. This is a one and done story. Uh, Spider-Man's Tangled Web. It was like the D title of 2003. Um, it, it would bring in artists who would who'd either not really be typically associated with Spider-Man or even Marvel itself, like Darwin Cook, and give them a quick one or two shot story where they are not constrained by the current continuity that's going on. They can kind of, you know, set up whatever story they want. And you, you can kind of use like evergreen continuity, you know, things that are typically the status quo. Uh, they they were welcome to like change things up. I think the most famous story out of this is uh, Flowers for Rhino, which was a riff on the uh, book Flowers for Algernon, where uh, scientists create a serum that makes uh, a man with developmental uh, issues incredibly intelligent, and then he it's anyway anyway and that's, that's not the story we're talking time. about we're talking about twas the fight before christmas um and so what to to kind of set this up and kind of dive in this is darwin cook but not darwin cook doing um i had it earlier new frontier this is darwin cook doing bruce tim batman by way of Spider-Man. Yes. Um, you know, the, their styles are similar, but yes, this is clearly uh, Cook by way of Bruce Timm. Um, 
to the point where when I first looked at the cover, I th- thought it was a Bruce Tim comic. And I was like, no, no, it's it's Darwin Cook. Um, if you don't know who Bruce Tim is, uh, he's the guy who did uh, Batman the Animated Series, Superman the Animated Series, Justice League, Justice if League Unlimited. If you've seen an animated DC something, there's a 90% chance Bruce Tim's done it. Right. Uh, creator of Harley Quinn, him with uh, Paul Dini, et cetera, et cetera. Anyway, so let's let's actually get to this comic rather than talking about all these things that are not this comic. Um, as you might guess from the title, it is a Christmas comic. And uh, this is actually the second uh, comic that Darwin Cook did for Tangled Web, the first of which being a uh, Valentine's comic, which kind of has loose continuity ties with this one. Namely, he reuses some characters like Jill, whose last name I don't even remember, Um, but she is the blonde bombshell kind of in the office. Um, The teacher, Miss Kyo, I think is also reused, but mostly this is just a really... contained and uh quick and easy christmas story so matt what were your first impressions going into this my first impression was what is going on (laughs) because (laughs) we start pretty fast in with spider-man swinging and then the daily bugles running amok because there's a bunch of uh japanese children running throughout the Daily Bugle, giving Jonah a migraine and making Betty freak out because she's babysitting a school class worth of children. And yeah, I I don't know. I I was just so not prepared for this. I I was just caught up in the moment. Yeah, it it was definitely a very weird opening because it was extraordinarily compressed while the rest of the comic is very decompressed. I mean, we'll get like maybe three or four panels a page. And it works because this is not your typical... 23 page comic i i think we're i think we're in the era where we're at 23 pages um so i it works but yes this beginning is incredibly compressed and there's a lot a lot going on and uh my my first impression was so it's called twas the fight before christmas and then we open with this big splash page that has a lot of exposition and it doesn't have a rhyme scheme and i was looking for the rhyme scheme the whole time like where like like more than i should have like i should have just accepted well this doesn't have like an aabb rhyme scheme it's not going to have one but because of the name I was just expecting one, and it threw me a little bit for a loop. Christmas just means simple rhyming to you? Well, twas... So there's this really famous poem called Twas the Night Before Christmas, Christmas. and it has a very simple rhyming scheme. Right, right. There's also an episode of the children's animated television series, The Powerpuff Girls, named Twas the Fight Before Christmas, which does have the rhyme scheme. There's also a really great episode of Titus, but... That's not the point right now. <laughs> uh, one one little bit before we move on from this initial bit it, at the uh, Daily Bugle is one of these kids latches themselves onto Jonah's leg and calls him Papa San, which... Okay, so... <laughs> yeah, like, it's a joke I feel like might not have aged well, 
um, to say the very least, where what? all these Japanese children just refer to everything as, like, San, um, which, is, you know, roughly translates into Mr. or Mrs., but is always kind of used as, like, a weird Orientalist joke. Um, I just but, thought it was cute uh, that this kid was latching onto Jonah. I, I, I thought that Jonah's reaction, though, know. was great. It was like, oh, God, it's latched onto me. Which, uh, Jonah definitely plays the, like, villain in this, kind of going back to the Ditko or Romita era, um, Jameson, where he's less, uh, sympathetic or kind of, you know, delightfully curmudgeonly and more (laughs) so vaguely implying that he's going to deport a child. Um, He's he's Scrooge-esque, you might say. Well, yeah, yeah, definitely Scrooge, Scrooge-esque, um, but I love the way Darwin Cook uh, renders him. Like, just, like, he really gets the cigar chomping, like, he's got, like, the deep-set, like, eyes that make him both look, like, tired and also just, like, unapproachable. Um, it's, he does, he does a great, great, uh, JJJ. All right. Um, another touch I really liked is when Peter comes into the office to kind of surprise all the kids with gifts. They're all uh, Spider-Man action figures. <laughs> I mean, if you were given a large amount of money to go buy a gift for uh, for your boss's wife, your boss doesn't really like you as a person, and he really hates your uh, your your second life that he doesn't know about. And then all of a sudden, you've got all these kids you got to buy presents for. Hell yeah, I'm going to buy them a whole bunch of Spider-Man action figures. Um, it's just it'd be it'd be too funny not to. Um, yeah, which is quickly followed by a great parallel between JJ and the Human Torch, where uh, the Thing buys the Torch, uh, one of these action figures, and the Torch torches it. <laughs> so yeah, we get. We get a little Fantastic Four thrown in, uh, which is kind of like the hallmark of these Tangled Web stories where, you know, Spider-Man is in them, but the real focus is the Tangled Web around Spider-Man and all the characters and their kind of interconnections. So uh, it's not necessarily as, um, what's the word I'm looking for, formulaic or... um, We'll just go with formulaic as team up was where you get the in stone like this is the second character kind of thing. It'd be more just other people around Spider-Man. So in this we get the Fantastic Four. We get Crystal from the Inhumans. Medusa shows up. Uh, The Wasp shows up for kind of like a girl date with Sue Storm and Crystal. Um, The Flash is playing Spider-Man for some kids show. Yeah, we get Flash, we get Betty, we get some of Darwin Cook's original characters from his other comic that he did. Um, And, you know, Peter Parker still plays kind of the the through line through all of these things, but the focus is not necessarily on him. Um, But I I did like that little... I I mean, like, I, I like... The checking in on the the Fantastic Four, and I, I feel like the Fantastic Four is a good fit for Cook, um, just because I don't know. Um, 
he refers to them as in the epilogue as the king and queen of the city and i i can't remember when the last time the fantastic four were were considered like the epicenter of marvel uh c- can you yeah this year now that slots on them it's great oh man like i i'm, I'm buying those comics like they're, i'm sitting there they're sitting there i have not read a single one like i i am current on it i have not read a single one um which I feel is terrible practice because I was always kind of lukewarm on on slot, and now I'm like what five issues for four dollars, so I'm like twenty dollars in the hole on a story that I might not even really like. But that's just me and my <laughs> terrible comic practices. <laughs> um, but no, you're right. Uh, the Fantastic Four. I mean, that early Fantastic Four stuff established so much about the Marvel universe back when it was Stan and Jack and. You know, there's some great runs after that, but by the time you hit, you know, here we are in the 2000s, the Fantastic Four are not the biggest franchise at Marvel by any means. Right, and I guess what I'm trying to say is that, like, Darwin Cook has that, like, very warm and nostalgic look uh, to his art. Uh, Not necessarily nostalgic to, like, comic art, but, like, it's... Especially by, uh, by way of Bruce Tim has that very old, like, uh, retro kind of style to it. So it, it kind of seems fitting that the Fantastic Four take a uh, bigger spotlight when he's penciling uh, penciling it. Yeah, what's also telling with the uh, old age of everything is the uh, gender politics that accompany this in his Valentine's Day issue. Uh, yeah, but we're not talking about the Valentine's Day issue. <laughs> Or um, not, but there is a bit of oh, dames, and um, Sue Storm sees some stuff of her in the mall, like where Spider Man found his action figure, and she comments about her derriere, and it's <laughs> it's all just a bit still there. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like I felt like it's it's a good enough, it was a good enough gag, but he kept coming back to it, like Sue Storm, kind of like obsessing, like they made my butt really, really big, like yeah. really big guys, like oh, my, look at my caboose. Oh, it's as big as She-Hulk's. Like, we get it. We get it. Um, but, yeah. you know, uh, there, there's that other side of, of everything. Anyway, um, so, so the, the, the kind of the super heroic plot of this is that the puppet master of all people is like hypnotizing, uh, various people to pull off a bank or not a bank heist, but a Macy's heist. So he, he goes, to the mall to go steal all the money from Macy's, which I mean, honestly, during the Christmas season probably has more money than the bank, um, at least in liquid capital. Uh, so you get a you get a fun little fight scene. Medusa pops out of a snowman. Um, you get Flash dressed up as Spider-Man wielding a chainsaw, and he's got those real beady, uh, Amazing Fantasy fifteen eyes. You know what I'm talking about? Uh, the where whole, there's no lenses, there's just holes for the eyes in the middle of the spider eyes. Yeah, yeah. So you know, good chainsaw fun. Um, I, I, I'm going to say that Spider-Man wielding a chainsaw with, uh, with a word bubble that says Christmas sucks is definitely the, uh, hamburger eating scene of this comic. <laughs> uh, do, do you have any other contenders? 
Um, no, the other thing that really just sticks out at me as I go and look through this comic again is the head size on Spider-Man keeps changing. So at one point, the Spider-Man head is three times larger than the Peter Parker head, and then sometimes the Peter Parker head's a little larger to match, and... It just throws me off because it's such a difference between panel to panel. Well, yeah, the art is very stylized. And so it's not always on model. Um, it tend, it, that le- leans toward very fluid, uh, almost animation-like, uh, kinetic energy on, on the page. But yeah, if you, if you start, like, sitting there and really, like, analyzing the art and kind of looking at the pictures, it is off-putting. Uh, the, I think the one that sticks out in my mind is where the thing is kind of, like, grappling Spider-Man and, Spider-Man almost looks like the size of a toddler uh, compared to the thing. Like, he, he almost fits, like, the thing's almost able to palm him. Like, just like all of Spider-Man in his palm. Uh, which, right. I mean, yeah, the thing's a big dude, but not quite that big. Like, thinks Pete's like, what, 5'10", 5'11", I think, uh, supposed to be in continuity. Yeah, but- and, and think things like around six and a half feet. Anyway, anyway. Looking I have at to that- break out my uh, Marvel <laughs> Universe handbook. Looking at the page, though, whereas the art is a little off-putting for that kind of size transition throughout, there is still this old-school cartooning sensibility going on with um, the amount of detail, where you put the frame, how much background you're putting, and that sort of thing. It's all kind of like a very trained thing done very loosely. It's a very odd juxtaposition for the art that makes it something to look at, that's for sure. I mean, it's still (laughs) Darwin Cook. I would I would say that at the end of the day, like I I enjoy this more because of the art. Uh, I, I'm thinking if I was reading this and this had like a stock artist, like if this was say like Ramos did this or or Kamenkoli or or one of the you know one of the other Spider-Man artists who you know was was the workhorse for for a while and not knocking their art or anything not saying that they were bad because of that but by saying that like they, their art was the the ordinary like this this was what to be what was to be expected the fact that this is so out there and different I, I enjoyed it a little bit more, even if it was a little strange uh, and took a little getting used used to. Uh, it was still kind of like a, a a nice change of pace from your your typical comic book art for Spider Man. Yeah, definitely. Um, do you have anything else you wanted to toss in? Uh, well, I mean, there's not really much going on with this story because, yeah, at the end of the day, it's just a Christmas story, but it's it does the Christmas story well. It's like just the right level of schmaltz, just the right level of lighthearted chuckles. It's nothing too challenging. It's nothing that's, you know, going to be distracting I guess <laughs> uh, is is the right word. Um, you know, all, like Christmas media, all is trying to build into the this platonic ideal of the Christmas spirit. And I mean, is is that a fair thing to say? Like, I I realize that's, that's like a, a very sweeping statement, but like, I, I, do you, are are you following me? Are you following what I, yeah, what I'm saying? This is supposed okay. to be a light, yeah. fun romp. That's a holiday fun little thing on this weird extra Spider-Man book. That's supposed to be for readers to be like, hey, you know, have a little fun with whatever. Yeah 
else was going on continuity at the time, which surely was more dour and complicated. 2003... Yeah. That would have been around... Um, I want to say that was around when 500 came out. Um, yes. Uh, Amazing Spider-Man 500 was in 2003. So this would be just before that. Um, so I think this was right around the time when Peter was becoming like a school teacher... So we were we were kind of on the rebound. This was right when um no, he'd been a school teacher for a while. I mean either way it's in that JMS era. And yeah, yeah. So uh, what what I was really trying to remember was was this around the time of Sins Past. But I think Sins Past was around like 2005. Anyway, less said about that the better. <laughs> so uh you know that that's that comic. Uh just a quick and easy light and loose little little Christmas tale. Um did you have any last last words on that one, Matt? That was pretty much it. Okay, cool. So, um, so like, okay, so this is the like the 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 tangled web. So it, it we 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 typically ask like, do these stories feel like Spider-Man stories? But this isn't really aiming to be a Spider-Man story first and foremost. It's aiming to be a Christmas story in a book that doesn't really focus on Spider-Man for its Spider-Man story. So I, I feel well, like that's not a very fair Spider-Man, question to It focuses ask. on Spider-Man's world. I mean, that's still a Spider-Man story. The absence of Spider-Man in a Spider-Man story then still says something about Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I'd argue, yeah, this says a lot about, like, him and the people he's around. Like, he's still chummy and working with Jonah. I mean, I know that's a constant, but this says something to it, especially on a holiday thing. I mean, he's in and around a community of superheroes where they're going to bump into each other in the holidays the way you'd bump into a coworker at the mall or something. Um, in a way, it takes a lot of what we see with Spider-Man and makes it a bit more pedestrian for fun. You know, I I think it's a little charming. It, it's a little, it adds a little charm to the idea of being Spider-Man in this Marvel universe. That, that's That's a really good point. Okay, yeah, yeah, I'm on board with you now. um so where are we gonna plop this one down on the list as far as our web of rankings go um i'm I'm gonna say this one did not pass the pumping up test for me which for uh those who might not be familiar pumping up is kind of like our baseline as far as um you know thumbs up thumbs maybe not thumbs up thumbs down but pumping up is i think the third story we covered and it was just a good one and done you know basic spider-man story it covered you know it didn't it didn't really excel in any particular category but everything it did it did well so that it's kind of served as our baseline for you know good stories versus ones that have flaws well and yeah i'd agree that this didn't i'd put pumping up above this i also think that this is a decent story so i think this kind of erodes that being a hard line yeah yeah um um but i'm looking yeah, it, it, it kind of blurs it because there, there's a caveat to this like the, the caveat is this is a christmas story it's and it's gunning to be that christmas story and like like i like i said earlier the goal of the christmas story is to uh you know aid into bringing you into that the platonic ideal of of uh, a Christmas spirit, less so than tell you an engaging story. So, I mean, I'd put it, I'd probably put it just below pumping up. Uh, maybe, maybe below family business. 
Definitely. Okay. All right. This is where, this is where, this, this is the final, the final placement for me. Between Spectacular Spider-Man 215 and 216, that Scorpion in the sewer story, mm-hmm. and Marvel Team Up the Wraith. Yeah, that's where I'd put it too. Awesome. We have gotten so good at this. <laughs> All right. Well, that is... That is it for our Winter Wonderland uh, coverage. And as long as the server, the, the, the hosting server, is kind to us, this will go up, you know, before Christmas. So, uh, Merry Christmas from us, question mark. And if not, happy belated Christmas. Um, on the horizon is our final episode of Spider-Geddon, which will include both Spider-Geddon 4 and 5, and our final thoughts on what has been the first uh, Spider event of the Nick Spencer era. Consequently, Nick Spencer has not been involved with it at all. Um, (laughs) It's it's more... Anyway, I'm... uh, but uh, after that, we will be seeing you guys next year with all sorts of new and fun things. And remember, in 2019, we're, we're dropping the monthly. We're going to be good doing at least twice a month uh, starting out. We'll keep you posted. Dropping the weekly? With, yeah, we're, we're dropping the weekly format. Gotcha. We're going to twice a month. Right. You said We talked monthly. about this. Oh, Just twice wanted to clarify. <laughs> Thanks. Yes. <laughs> um. So, uh, and yeah, so now you knocked me off my rhythm. So basically, good- we're slowing down the roll so that we can hopefully put out uh, slightly more quality episodes. We might be looking at playing with the format. We're, we're, we're taking a break, but we're not stopping work on the show. We're just trying to do something a little more robust for you guys and uh, trying to turn it out. Um, we also have a number of life things going on that's going to make it so that having that time to turn something out will be good for the both of us. Um, but we look forward to seeing you for essentially season two of untold talks. <laughs> there we go. Um, yes. And for those of you guys who are missing that extra weekly content, Matt and I will still be producing our Patreon episode. Uh, so $3 and 99 cents a month grants you access to our bonus episodes uh, the Amazing Spider Talks bonus episodes. Uh, you can get into that VIP channel and that Slack community. Uh, if you only want in the VIP channel, you can get, you know, just throw down $1. Um, and then we also, of course, have that Excelsior tier. $10 a month gets you all that stuff, plus art commissions from Spider-Man artists. Or if you really, really love us, $20 a month gets you that art colored as well. Um you can always follow the show for any announcements on Twitter at Untold Talks of Spider-Man or Untold Talks SPMN. Spider-Man. Uh, you can yes. Well, Twitter has a cap on how how long your username can be. So, uh, uh, I'd also like to give a special thanks to the LA Badge for providing our theme song. Like always, if you want to listen to more from them, check them out on the show notes. And And. until Matt has a ham to go glaze, make mine untold. All right, everyone, come on, gather around. Christmas is here. Time for presents and cheer. Up on the housetop, whip, whip, wham, in swings good old Spider-Man. Isn't Santa with all his toys, he's saving the city for the girls and boys. Ho, 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 who wouldn't go? Ho, 
to save the day. First comes a present for old Doc Ock, punching the face from the cinder block. Thrown in the slammer for all that crime. The Christmas present is to do some time. Ho, 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 who wouldn't go? Ho, 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 who wouldn't go? Up on the house top, whip, whip, yay. Spidey is coming to save the day. The lizard, his shape can shift Till he's wrapped up in webs like a Christmas gift What's in his stocking? What'll it be? It's ten to twelve in solitary Ho, 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 who wouldn't go? Ho, 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 who wouldn't go? Up on the housetop, whip, whip, yay Spidey is coming to save the day Spidey is coming Spidey is coming to save the day